I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You are now listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Yo, yo, yo! What's good, my people? I am Dope Knife. I am extremely tired. And, and we also- are... <laughs> we've been waiting too goddamn long for reparations. I'm about to fun. get my ass out of City Hall, bro. But- All right, so let's let's let's... Let's just pick it up and get right into it. So we, you know, we've been really good as our executive producer has been getting us to to be a, a lot more uh, prompt when we're recording these. But we have gone back to our bullshit and we are on one of those late night sessions. And Drinking you a, just got out of City Hall. <laughs> IPA. I don't even like these. I just got out of a Christmas party from the day job. I'm fucking, I got, I got a few in me. I'm feeling good. All right. So tell us about the city hall meeting that kept you so late. Bruh. So I just got home from city hall. It's our last voting meeting of the year. And there were several contentious issues on the agenda Um, for months, for months, for a year. We've been working on an eviction defense program to keep people from getting kicked out of their house or they lost their job or got sick because of COVID, et cetera. Um, We finally passed it tonight. Um, but interestingly, like DCA, the Department of Community Affairs of Georgia, like they've started, you know, giving out millions of dollars to communities that had a program like this already. Yeah. And we didn't for various reasons, mostly for obvious reasons, for obvious reasons. People have been stalling. People have been stalling it, stalling it, stalling it. And so I am so thankful that finally, you know, all these families that you know been hitting me up like yeah. yo what's i don't know I'm, I'm living in the back of the u-haul whatever like what we gonna do can get some help um it's unfortunate that it's so late but that happened tonight we approved um uh contract and funding for a safe place for a homeless folk to sleep so how about- long exactly have you been working on it bruh so eviction prevention literally probably a year to the day Shit. 
Like you in the programs like this exist in the Gwinnett County. And yeah, because I mean, we were, we were talking about eviction moratoriums like a oh, year yeah. ago and oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, we still yeah. had it. We still had it. Yeah, no. So finally, and then and it speaks as well. I mean, yes, people stalled it, and that was very unfortunate. But in general, like the timescales in which we have to understand like policy unfolds are so long. Like just generally, the gears of government just churn so slowly. Like a year to pull off a program is well, like is like a is like a very modest amount of time, frankly. Well, may, may, I don't I don't want to get like too into the weeds with Fuck it. Let's go. Like that. But like, okay, so just I mean, anybody who's a regular listener to the show, they will have heard the like they will they will know how often you're in city hall. Obviously, you're an elected official, so they know that like you've been working on this. For a year, like you just said it. So what is it exactly? You know, if you guys are meeting up so much, right? Yeah. And y'all are discussing these things and these issues. What is it exactly that makes a project like this take a year to do? Yeah. (laughs) Like, 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 is it, is it, is it, and I don't want to characterize this in the, in like the uh, unfair way or whatever, but it's like, is, is the progress that's made from day to day and meeting to meeting, is it like that small that it, or that minute of a thing that it takes that duration of time or do things get snagged up and just in the sauce or, or what? So, yeah, I'll say two things about that. Firstly, like a lot of our trouble and particularly implementing innovative solutions, things like fare free public transportation or like a safe place for homeless people to sleep. Um, where they won't be criminalized for living outdoors. Like, we have to to do two things. We have to, oftentimes, if we're dealing with federal funding, they have so many hurdles that we have to jump through in order to ensure compliance. Who's your accountant? Who you getting insurance from? What's your, you know, line of credit? What's your background in doing this? All this stuff that just, like, if you chop up all those little parts, each take like a week to work through. And so you're looking at weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there's that to it. And I guess to agree to a degree to your um, your second p- question, um, yeah, ultimately, like, because we move in such slow motion, you know, you can see all the, like, you know, a slow motion rainstorm, you see all the individual droplets, like, as they yeah. hit the ground. And that's kind of like, those little individual droplets are what we traffic in. It's like, so, okay, let's put, push this forward a little bit, a little bit, and over time, it adds up. I brought up fair-free public transportation. People have been fighting for that for 10 years. Yeah. And we just did it. And so it's just like all the little droplets, slow motion smashing on the ground. And finally, like, you can see like the time speeds up and you finally see like, oh snap, it's raining, what's up? So then, so okay, the, and then, then I'm gonna ask this and I, I kinda already know what your answer is gonna be, yeah. but all right, so if like the average person is looking at this and they're yeah. thinking, man, this is taking too long. These people are just full of shit. They, they just need oh, to yeah. hurry up and, and do these things. You being on the inside and seeing the way this gets, this goes down, does it give you more of an understanding of like, no, I understand why it takes this long? Or are you oh, yeah. on the same line of, no, this is bullshit. This should be going faster. I mean, part of me is like, yo, this is bullshit. Like, this should be going faster. Um, there is a part in which like, you you die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> or like I find myself being like, but 
on, wait, you guys. I promise we're working on it. And like yeah. defending the government, which like the activists in me, like my heart just tears into tiny, tiny pieces every time I have to do but, that. But that's real shit, though. I mean, I, I don't even want to say that's real shit, but I mean, is it? Is it real shit? Is it like the yeah. activist part of you wants to be like, nah, but the politician part is like, nah, there's kind of a reason why it's... And it's really hard to like moderate that because I got to like yeah. stand up to the people and be like, you right, this is bullshit. And like yell, but like the staff, they're like trying their hardest. <laughs> doesn't help if you yell at them they're gonna just freak out more and do it worse um and so there's also like you know trying to have grace for them trying to convey to the public why things take too long and there's something else i want to say on your first part why stuff takes so long because you know the 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 homeless safe site is being run by like a like a black nonprofit that's very grassroots very just like in the thick of it no paperwork no like they just kind of flying by the seat of their pants but like start of the pandemic when everybody was scared to hug each other they were going out into the forest to bring hot plates of food i remember yeah to the homeless people you remember when i went out there with them maybe and like brought the the plates and we sat up there yeah and so like when you when you're working with an organization that historically has not just worked just hasn't worked with black people um you know when these organizations have not had the resources or the institutional support to do large-scale work there's going to be like intercultural communication problems like it's not that it's not like malice that like our staff doesn't know how to communicate to these people or these people don't know how to communicate with staff it's just like no one has had to before it's naivety almost rather than like maliciousness and so that's why stuff takes so long when you try to like all right, we finally go smash down the doors and get some black people in here, get some money to like do this work. It's going to take a long time because we have never done that before. I don't know how. So yes, that's another why, the reason why things take long. But oh, okay, so so if it it took long, too long. but we did it, it got done. But you know bruh, I mean? this or is so- not even the only thing. <laughs> But yeah, so... Uh, oh, wait, there's more? <laughs> oh, wait, there's more. So Safe Side got passed. Eviction Defense Program got passed. So we also uh, were asked to reapprove federal funding for the Northeast Georgia Regional Narcotics Task Force, which I, for year after year, I've been critical Shit. of and I voted for. Then last year, I put an amendment that I just sell pop cats for weed, da 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 And this year, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Nope, I ain't doing this no more. So I published an op-ed a couple days ago. You can go, you can if you search me on like social media, Mariah for Athens, you can go find it and read it. This is very spicy, very spicy. <laughs> Talking about the history of this grant and its deleterious effects on black communities and some public health solutions that are better. Yeah. Um, including so one of the spicy spicier things about it how is that, that how, yeah, how to go, how to go. So one of the spicier things about it is like I took it all the way back to the source. Like where does grant come from? Where does drug war come from? And I referenced in 1981, Lee Atwater, famous Republican strategist, working under Ronald Reagan, said you remember this shit? Yes. Mm-hmm. So he was like, in 1954, you say nigger, nigger, nigger. But 1968, you can't say nigger anymore. So you say... I, it, was, it was actually, it was Nixon, not Reagan. Oh, well, no yeah, one yeah. knows. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but, Nixon, you know, just, Nixon just, Reagan, just, Nixon Reagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, same shit, yeah, different day. He, he was, um, he pretty much uh, spilled the beans on the Southern strategy that the Republicans right, yes, yes. employed. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a famous recording. As a matter of fact, if, if I can find a find it play it find if it, i can find it. a non-copywritten yeah we'll, we'll play it on it but he he pretty much runs down how esoteric 
that the Republican Party got with the racism, you know what I mean? But expresses such a deliberateness behind it that is just... Yeah. yeah. Mm, you, and you, so, like, you know, that's where the strategies like the drug war came from. Because you can't yeah. say nigger, nigger, nigger anymore. You have to say, we got to get tough on crime and catch criminals. Da, 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 da. So I went into it. I laid out the facts for these motherfuckers. Criminology, public health, reason why this is all bullshit. We need to do new things a new way. Well, police chief wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> Um, sent me like a five page rebuttal earlier today uh, he was big mad just lost it <laughs> apparently it's feeling some real hurt um, the, a local journalist called his response extraordinary if not unprecedented <laughs> um, so anyway I went off on these motherfuckers like yo this is what is this is what's really really real right now so like y'all the- y'all gonna y'all gonna mindlessly perpetuate Reagan's re- legacy y'all gonna take Lee Atwater's advice like what's good what's popping you know what is funny just you mentioning that but like something that I just feel didn't get enough press but do you recall that about a year ago they they uncovered some Reagan tapes of him having a conversation with somebody being like hella racist like hella I want to meet with like the leaders of these African African countries countries. yeah Yeah. yo yo nigga said dirty feet something like that (laughs) I don't quote me it was something about their feet no I know I know what you mean it was, uh, yeah. It was just like it was some stereotype. It was like some beyond plausible deniability shit. And I just felt like, I just felt like that kind of went under the radar. So, yeah. you know, just, just something. I feel like they're but, uh, all the way. They pulling out tapes left and right, left and right, left and right. I know Bill Clinton has now been implicated in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial for maybe like doing some shit with some underage kids, which I don't find surprising. Um, no. You Trump know, is like, about this to pull in the receipts, all the receipts. Trump is trying to start a constitutional crisis so nobody can find the fucking log records of anything that was said during his time. In the life. Can you imagine? I, mean, I think we said something about this in the last episode, but can you imagine how many niggas was flying around people's mouths in the Trump White House? Like for real? Like you telling me? You telling me the Steve Bannon wasn't wasn't thrown around the N word? 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 Yeah. Word. word. All right. So what are we? What are you talking about today? Well, okay, I'm sorry. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I, we were just riffing and shit. Which you know, you're talking about Trump and a constitutional crisis. Maybe think about Matt Gates coming out today saying if the GOP wins the House back in 2022, they're gonna try to put Trump in as Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. Bruh. I don't know how much I buy that, but I think we can just take that as like. As, as validation that they're gonna do all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say when they win the house back. Yeah. I wanna say if, but you know. Which brings us to our topic to today. So last week we had runoff elections in municipal races across Georgia, and results were pretty good for progressives. And so, um, and then we also had Stacey Abrams announced for governor um, for the Democratic Party. David Perdue, former senator of Georgia, announced for governor on the Republican side. And so we're going to talk about what happened last week, as well as what might go down in 2022. Just looking at like, you know, what do these results mean for the year to come? If anything, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to get into all that after the jump. But first, I need to hear about this Christmas party. (laughs) Some shit went down, sir. 
I, I would. I can tell you had a gleam in your eye. All right. So okay. So like you know, I I do this podcast and I rap, and that's you know more or less for the most part how a brother makes the bills. But let's keep it real. You know, a nigga got to get a regular job. So at the job, we had this Christmas party, and you know the the wor- the jig is up and the word is out. Oh man. You guys know that Mac raps? Mac rap. I heard that Mac's a really good rapper. Like that shit's going on, right? Mm-hmm. So we have the Christmas party. The bosses are like, hey, do you wanna, you know, we're like every they, first of all, they like broke it up into pieces. Like somebody who's uh there's a, a girl there who does stand-up comedy and she did like a roast of everybody. It was pretty funny. Uh they had like a magician come in and he did like some David Blade magic tricks. I gotta say, he cut a girl was, in half? What happened? He didn't cut a girl in half, but he was doing Ooh. some like he was doing some like pulling a bowling ball out of like a paper thin briefcase type shit. Like, mm. but I was standing like two feet from him and seeing it, so as far as I'm concerned, nigga's a wizard. You know what I mean? Like, I it was mean, that crazy. It was at that the top, crazy. you did say you had a couple drinks and maybe something else in your system. This was so. before the drinks, no, but the magic tricks was before the drinks. A the bowling magic- ball out of a briefcase, <laughs> sir? I, I don't saw. Know. You know what? I got that shit on video. Y'all check on check out on Instagram. All right, we're going to post it on the gram for y'all. But, um, yeah, you know, like, we had been talking for the last few months. They're like, hey, we want you to do some kind of... Because they, they went to that Afro Man show that I did, the owners. And they were like, hey, we want you to do kind of a little rap thing for them. So, you know, I, I went there thinking it was just all good. I started knocking some back, thinking I was just going to chill there for a couple hours and then head back here to record. And they, like, straight up snuck a PA system up on me. With a bunch of Pete Rock beats, <laughs> like, like, like Ben. You know what I mean? Like, yo, they're like, yo, do you want to go in? I was like, I am, I'm just picturing them like rolling it out on like a little <laughs> thing while you're not looking, just like really quietly. Shh, I'm telling them like sneak it up behind you with the PA. It's, it's pretty much what it was. So, like, at first I was like nervous, like, oh, is there some like corny Christmas thing y'all want me to do? And they're like, no, just just do you you know what i mean so i just i freestyled i did who got the props i did some games and it just all felt really warm like co-workery you know what i'm saying but i gotta say the payday was pretty good oh yeah the, the pay the payday was pretty they they was you know that that was like when you do those like university shows or like the shows. oh yeah that, that it was one of those getting... sort of shows where you're like yeah yeah that was dope so i'm feeling good i'm feeling good but, excellent we're going to get into all the stuff about the Georgia progressives fucking wrecking shit. And we'll be right back with that after the jump. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. 
I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. So per the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the story of the Metro runoffs goes beyond the fact that a string of incumbents were ousted. If you look closer, you'll find that many of the winners were backed by the Georgia Working Families Party. That's a local chapter of a relatively new national progressive party based in Brooklyn, New York. Three of the newly elected city council members. Why don't you go ahead and say those names? Yeah, again. we got Liliana Bakhtiari. We got Antonio Lewis. We got Jason Dozier, who respectively Liliana um, is Iranian-American, non-binary, um, queer individual. Antonio Lewis, um, you know, reps hard for, you know, Cleveland Avenue, very well supported by like the labor movement. And then we got Jason Dozier, who is a uh, military vet, uh, quote unquote progressive, you know, he's a pretty progressive guy. Um, you know, longtime activist in the like Mechanicsville kind of area of Atlanta. And then who's last? Who's last? Oh, is it another one? Oh can't yeah. Can't forget about our homie. I can't forget about my homie. <laughs> so most excitingly to me, Khalid Kamayo, um, my boy, city councilman in South Fulton, Democratic yep, yep. Socialist and uh Democratic Socialist and um uh, openly gay, openly um, queer individual won the mayorship is going to be the mayor of the blackest city in America. It's like 98% black South Wilson. 98% black. And he won. And I think it really so I think all of this, there's very interesting implications for what this means about 
the state of politics, where the electorate is at in Georgia, but I think this in particular, if we may take a moment to break it down, you know, he may not have run on explicitly like defund the police like platform, but you know, he was repping that life. You know, he, he a lot of, you know, his democratic socialist ideas, couching those ideas in 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 vernacular people understand about like supporting youth entrepreneurship and small businesses and more land ownership for the people. But like the fact that he was like a progressive, perhaps even a radical, you know, queer black man. Yeah. Um it's like, you know, people try to say, oh, black people aren't down for that kind of shit. They're not like, you know, radicalism of the sixties is over. But like he's is proof that, that ain't is that what is that what people are saying? I don't know. What do you think people are saying about where the black electorate is at? I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not even gonna front. I, I don't I don't know. I don't really have a sense of like what they're saying. You know what I mean? It, it um Well, here's what I get often. I get a lot of people that I mean, to their credit, you know, see that I got like fucking advanced degrees or whatever, you know, uh I like I'm very articulate Negro. Etc. Etc. And so I have like black people, like it's a, a black establishment, oftentimes saying, "I don't know what I talk about." But I'm talking about radical shit, because like, oh, you are, you know, like because because I'm whiteified by the fact that I've gone to school a great deal and I talk a certain way, etc. Etc. Yeah. Um, but these these radical ideas, deals though they generated in the black community, you know, Fred Hampton, Huey Newton, Angela Davis, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr. Like, oh, but you know, it's the, the it's the white left that's all about all that shit. And we don't really like that shit around here. Is what, you know, people try to say sometimes when it's like, nah, bruh, the spirit of the of the sixties is alive today. Do you have a sense of why do you have a sense of why that is? Because I mean, you saying that, like, yes, I get that same sense. But I mean, why why is that? I don't understand why, like, in these times we would be Maybe radical is not the right word for it, but why in the times that we're in now that we would be like less attentive to what's going on? Yeah, and I think what I'm about to say has implications for Atlanta if we okay. want to like segue back into what okay, we talking yeah. about. But like, I think it honestly is like you trust who shows up ultimately. You trust who shows up. Um, I, so like if, you know, the black block of the electorate is treated as a foregone conclusion. We're going to vote Democrat. People don't invest a lot of money in coming out to talk to us because they assume we're going to vote for Biden. Assume we're going to vote for Obama. Assume we left Kamala Harris and all the shit. And that is then leaving ground for, you know, Republicans to come in. Let's take, for example, like, you know, a parallel example, like Bernie Sanders got 70% of the Latino vote. And it's not even necessarily because his ideas were like where they were in terms of the stuff they were even asked for. It's that his people showed up in their communities to knock on their doors, talk to them in Spanish, make sure their materials were in Spanish. And they were like, hmm, I like this guy. They showed up. I'm with that. And so bringing it back around to Atlanta, I think that, you know, Khalid and some of these other progressives that won the city council with the backing of the Working Families Party, who, as you said, put like six grand or six figures into these races, like um, uh, resource them well enough to show up, to go out and knock on the doors, to go out and have the conversations, etc. That you know, got got brought victory. So I mean, I don't I don't think it matters what kind of ideas you have. You gotta show up and talk to people. So that's what they did, I presume, and that's why they won. But um, let's see what else we got. Um, so. so uh- Yes. So let's. Sorry, I these notes are like pretty. So what? So what were the main issues in that uh, mayoral 
So okay. yeah, so mayoral, city council campaigns, and I feel like this is mostly media driven. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, I mean, I, people in the community were probably concerned about crime. Crime was the number one issue, but that itself is stoked by the media. I mean, yes, people are victimized. People get their cars jacked or hear gunshots. It's like, ah, I'm scared. Legit, valid, feel the same. But you know, other people who don't actually. Um, experience crime, but fear victimization, fear it because they see on the news about the carjackings, they see on the news about shootings and about, you know, police, you know, walking off the job, doing the blue flu and going on strike and shit. And they're like, oh no, what are we going to do? So crime, number one, number one issue, probably because of the media, but anyway. I mean, uh, just as as a devil's advocate, I think I think I would add the caveat to that, that because of local media you know what i'm saying because i just just as as somebody who just consumes probably way too much cable national news than a healthy person should it's very much like when it's referenced in national media it's very much referenced like in a sort of a meta way acknowledging that they're referencing these numbers you know what i mean so i would imagine just because i don't watch a lot of local news i would imagine especially since some of these right-wing companies have bought up a lot of these local news stations i would imagine that the local news in a lot of towns is a fucking horror show it is i mean it it is very influential there's very influential local instagram accounts yeah that likes it's like world star but they post videos of like yeah black it's like world star for old white people yeah straight up so they and they're like oh look at these animals biting each other and they get you know tens of thousands (laughs) of views a counter example is that so in the mayoral race you had Andre Dickens and uh, Felicia Moore. Felicia Moore was the city council president, um, and so Felicia, so Andre Dickens won in the runoff. He's going to be the next mayor of Atlanta, but uh, Felicia Moore, who lost, accused rapper Ti and producer Isaac Hayes the third of tanking her chances at winning by spreading false claims that she was going to shut down strip clubs. And this and that and like they said that in interviews with local gossip magazines. And so the local gossip magazines picked up and they started, oh, Felicia Moore wants to shut down the strip clubs. And I don't know. I don't think that's really true. But she was even saying that that's the reason she lost. I mean, who would they have been helping by messing up her shit? Somebody establishment or no? So let's be just clear. a straight so, up bar. So I mean, both of the mayoral candidates, including the winner, um, the you know, the candidates they made to the runoff were pretty pro police. Um, Andre Dickens did vote for the Rayshard Brooks bill, which was a bill that came forward last summer that was to withhold half the police budget until they did certain reforms. It wasn't even to fund them. It was just like let's not give them all their money right now until they do some shit. So he was getting hammered about that by like the right and people and so he came out saying like oh i've i've increased the police budget every year i'm gonna hire more officers and both of them were very pro yeah pro cop um so i can't remember where i was going with that i got too into well, my uh, feelings <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i'm like okay because I, I mean remember, oh who thing, is to benefit like, yeah who is to benefit i don't know who's to benefit that's why it's so ridiculous like because it's just like sure you lost because you aren't good i don't know I just don't think that and and this might be just like me getting more cynical but I'm just 
I'm not really feeling that things are coincidences or accidents like that a lot. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to give heads the benefit of the doubt of like, yo, they're stupid. Especially people who I don't think are stupid. I don't think T.I. stupid. You know what I mean? I don't think T.I. is stupid at I all. I think T.I. is kind of dumb. I don't know. Bruh, I don't know. I don't think T.I. Did he I don't not think check his daughter's junk for years to make sure that, she was a virgin? Like T.I. being yes. a creep. So, okay. So T.I. is West not Side Crips. dumb. He is a creep. Okay, there Rather. you go. Yes, yes. That, okay, but, fine. But when I say not dumb, I just mean in the sense of like, whether that had an effect on her election or not, I just don't see the act of him doing that in an election season, knowing that he at the bare minimum has the intelligence level that I believe him to have as being just a coincidence. You know what I mean? Oh, I was just, you know, I was uh, I was just getting interviewed and someone asked me a question. So I commented on this thing. You know what I mean? that Like that's. I don't know if that's going to make anybody vote for anybody or make anybody not vote for a motherfucker, but like that's going to affect perception and public perception saying stuff. Oh, yeah. Like that. Oh, yeah. That, and if yeah. it's not true, it's one thing if it's true, but if it's not true, like if you just made that up, yeah. that's whack, yo. Oh, no. I don't know why he said it, but that's fine. So, okay. So let's go back to. Um, okay. Sorry, sorry. So, like, yeah. So the coalitions, I talked a little bit about Andre Dickens being like his pro cop stuff. So Felicia Moore started kind of like colluding with like Republicans and like racist white people that live in the really rich part of the city, a part of the city, Buckhead, that is yeah. trying to secede, trying from, to secede from Atlanta because they got it like something like I like you can't geographically distance yourself from the black people. So at least <laughs> they would like, literally just have to be like, we're not y'all anymore. We're not y'all anymore. Yeah. So she started like going to the Republican meetings and like Buckhead and getting their endorsement. They were sending out texts for her. She even posted like a thing on Twitter, like, you know, talking about uh, talking about Ahmaud Arbery's trial and how it's not real justice and it shouldn't never happen. She took Wait. it down. She got dragged by right wing people on Twitter and she took it down. What? Wait, so is she like a... What is she? So her whole coalition was like, oh, I'm going to like, no one else of the remaining candidates is like reaching out to this like wealthy white uh, yeah. the part of the electorate, you know, so I'm going to fill up that space and that's how I'm going to win. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I mean, feel you. yeah. But frankly, she was only she was a front runner pretty much before the runoff. Yeah. Um, Because everybody voted for her to keep out Kasim Reed. You, you know about this nigga? Mm-mm. Kasim Reed was the old pre- uh, old president of Atlanta. We're seceding. <laughs> We're from Georgia. We are in the state of Atlanta. Um, so so he was an old mayor. I don't know, like maybe before Keisha Lance Bottoms, current mayor. Okay. Hella corrupt. Mad federal corruption. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Whole administration. <laughs> Super Why did greasy, you say hella corrupt. Ring the bell. <laughs> <laughs> hella corrupt, like mad, sketchy, greasy, grimy, <laughs> bad shit. Real bad. And so everybody voted for Felicia Moore to keep him from winning because he is the black Trump. And then. They were like, oh, actually, I don't like this bitch. <laughs> oh, actually, geez. nah, this ain't it. Like, nah, I just, now that Kasim Reed isn't in there anymore and we ain't got to worry about his greasy ass. Actually, <laughs> this other cat. 
like slim nigga wearing like blazers and hoodies. <laughs> situation. They're like, oh, we'll go for him. Anyway, so the mayoral race differed a lot from the city council races in that everywhere else, you know, except for mayor, all the super pro cop candidates got bounced. Damn. Bounced. So there so was... Is it, yeah. Do you have any theories for why, like, the, the crime awareness message didn't land? Or, I mean, I don't even want to say that because the progressive one that it didn't land but is there is there like what became of that message or that well, message I put, yeah so i will answer that question with a question because i i regularly say conflicting things about this i think to on one hand that people are more motivated by love than fear like if you're not putting forward a positive constructive vision of a city that you want and you're just fear-mongering and talking about how shitty everything is like people are people are just kind of like grossed out and turned off by that. Uh, I also disagree with that in that, you know, when we talk about the midterms in a second, the angrier people are the ones that are more motivated to get out and win. So I don't know. I'm gonna throw that back to you to ask. I don't know which one you think is more like legit, but I think this actually speaks to what I said at the beginning is like who mobilizes versus who just coasts on their name recognition in their incumbency. Like, but I'm in this bitch. I'm good. What's up? Y'all know me. I've been in this bitch for 20 years. Yeah, I, I ain't going nowhere. Versus the people who are like humble and like, I, I'm going to put in the footwork to get in there. You know, footwork wins. Yeah. It's probably more true. But what do you think about that earlier thing? Do you think people are more motivated electorally by fear or love? <sighs> like... I want to say love because or that not sounds love, like, but like the right hope, thing. You know? Yeah, I, yeah. I want to say hope and change and love <laughs> and all that stuff because it feels like the right thing to say. But well, I think how we got fe- Obama, you know? Yeah. But I mean, we got Obama. There was fear involved in Obama. You know what I'm saying? Again, I hate to pull out my like old man pants and shit like that, but I have a few years on you. And you know what I'm saying? And like, I mean, there was there there was like a fear because we had just went through the the eight years of Bush and fucking McCain was fucking bringing on Sarah Palin you know what I mean and it's like she was Trump before Trump was Trump you know what I'm saying okay, people okay, were yeah. people were seeing that and they were hearing the things that she was saying and then because she was on the ticket and started making John McCain who obviously John McCain's a Republican is terrible whatever whatever but he started saying stupid insane shit like as a result of having Sarah Palin on the ticket like I remember one thing that, that stuck out really close is just because like I had friends who were fighting in the war and, and all that stuff that I remember he was uh, John McCain was at a, a a rally or something like that after Sarah Palin had been brought on and he was like singing to the crowd there were there was he was making some point in the crowd and he was like doing the Beach Boys song and he was like bomb 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 I ran and they were like all laughing about it and shit and I remember being like what I was like maybe like like 22 21 or something like that at the time it's like yo these fucking Republicans are trying to make us go to war forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that fear, that palpable fear was like, hey, hope and change. Let's do it. <laughs> yes, yes, we can. Yes, we can. You know what I mean? And so I, I think I think fear, and even even when you don't think it's fear, there is a level of like, yo, I don't want 
I don't want them to win. Now that obviously I, I would imagine that changes from person to person. There's obviously like a, a, a contingent of people who that doesn't motivate them at all because really it is like some lizard brain thinking, you know what I'm saying? Me scared, me vote for this person. There is, there is that element to it and shit like that. So, you know, definitely kudos to those who can rise above it. But, you know, I, I gotta admit my lizard brain still does come into play when it comes to election seasons and shit like that. So it's like, even when I don't feel motivated or if I'm not excited about something, it's usually a good motivating factor to me personally to think about, damn, well, I definitely don't want those motherfuckers. Yeah, and I'm starting to assess my own like political leanings and like what, for example, drew me to Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders had like united us against a common enemy, the billionaires. Like, and so it really was also a, like, a, not a, like, not a fear, but like hatred. Like, yeah, yeah, fuck the billionaires. Yeah, that's right, Uncle Bernie. Like, so, I mean, maybe that is more true than like, oh, I like your constructive vision for the society you want to build. Well, but, how yeah. many, how many progressives were like legit scared of Hillary Clinton? You know, a lot. Clinton? No, but I mean, I don't mean okay, scared. I don't mean scared as in the literal, like, yo, does she like scare you? But I just mean, like, when Bernie, like, part of Bernie's rise to prominence is opposition to Hillary Clinton and the establishment that she represented. You know what I mean? And fighting the establishment. And, yeah. and, and that, yeah. and we wanted, and that fight came from like, yo. I don't know what these motherfuckers are gonna do. Like you, you literally, you had a bunch, you had a bunch of, you had a bunch of people on the left who really, like, truly, fucking, who whose brains turned to mashed potatoes for like a good two years, and were thinking to themselves, "Gee, I really think Donald Trump is anti-war, and Hillary Clinton's gonna go to war." You know what I'm saying? And like, they really like. Just because of their fear of what they thought Hillary would do, they were like willing to like give Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt on certain shit. So fear is definitely a motivating factor. Um, yeah. One side is is better at playing on it, but that's that more so goes because the people who follow that are just more prone to, <laughs> to following their fears and being guided by their fears in their fear of the unknown fears of what they don't know, what they don't understand. But, you know, I think, I think us on our, on our, our side, definitely we're susceptible to it. For sure. I mean, and in this case, I mean, yeah, I say, I would say like there's fear and then it's really hard as an incumbent generally to like defend your shit when like the world stays bad. I would argue because of capitalism. So like if you're progressive or you're conservative or whatever, if you're a fucking flying monkey and like after four years, like shit's not better. Ain't nobody gonna care. They'll kick your ass to the curb because shit's not better. Cause it's, it's so hard to, I mean, like, like I advocate for people to get involved at the local level, but actually, I mean, frankly, there's only so much we could do, but I mean, so in this case, like Cleta Winslow, who got beaten by Jason Dozier had been in office 20 for like 28 years. And if like he didn't really have to even like put it forward like a constructive effort, positive yeah. message or even stoke fear, all he had to do was go say, "I'm, I'm running how are again." Things, how, how, how are <laughs> things going? Do you like what's happening? Do you like? Do you think the city's better? And if you don't, it's like I like that nigga. Like <laughs> that, that young, that is a very nice young man. Um, and so yeah, I mean. Uh, it's just really interesting that all these cats were fucking pro-cop. Like, Jackie Labatt was the sheriff's wife. The wife of the sheriff of Fulton County. 
who has been fighting to like keep the Fulton County Jail open, even after they secured an agreement to like close the Fulton County Jail. She was running for city council, low key to like to protect her husband's job security as sheriff, you know, and she got her ass kicked. Um, Cleta Winslow, super pro cop, got her ass kicked. We had an episode on Cop City a couple, I guess maybe a month or two ago. The, like the lady who chant, who like the author of Cop City and was pushed for that shit. Boom, gone. Fuck you, Joy Shepard. Out of here. So it's interesting that like a mixture of these things, the footwork, the fact that shit's not really better. And so like the incumbents just don't stand a chance. Like, here we are. Well, more Ma- progressive city council in Atlanta. Oh no, my cat's gonna eat my pizza. Oh no, go save it. <laughs> We had roach killings. We got cats eating pizza. What other show? It has, Are you going to hear roach killings and cats eating pizza? It's waiting on reparation, bitches. Look, it had anchovies on it. <laughs> Why, like, I don't even blame the little dude. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose, I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. You know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. 
It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let me see if I can get some of your, like, analysis on the situation. Is this something that is particular to perhaps the demographics of where some of these candidates were running? Or... Is it something particular to the time that we're in or the state that Georgia is in politically? Like, no, why, yes. is this some is this something that that Democrats is this something that you feel that that Democrats by at large, whether they be neoliberal or whatever, can like pay attention to and kind of learn some strategies from things that were done in these Georgia elections to not feel the need to be in the center or to absolutely be right, absolutely feel and still be like- win. People will be like, oh, you know, the South, Georgia is going to go down just like Virginia. Well, motherfucker, I doubt that Virginia has a 95% voter registration rate. 95% of Georgians are now registered to vote. Thank you, Stacey. Largely thanks to Stacey Abrams, New Georgia Project, Fair Fight. Well, what's the other one? Yes. Well, New Georgia Project, New Georgia Project, Mm -hmm. mostly. Um, And so it's like putting in the footwork to go actually talk to people. So then you think that's the key then? That's the key. That's the key. That's what makes that one. Yeah, that's what makes Georgia more, you know, unique among like newly blue states is that, you know, we put in the footwork to register voters, to engage voters, to, you know, to actually just go talk to people. Like I said, whoever shows up wins and Democrats have been showing up to or, or, you know, like low key Democratic but nonpartisan organizations have been showing up to like get people involved. And so that's the formula. I mean, granted, it's easy to do like when in the runoffs last year, you know, or fuck earlier this year, Jesus Christ, uh, for the Senate, like you had niggas, it was like a billion dollars put into the state to pay people to go knock on doors. We had postcards from Arizona, Milwaukee, New Hampshire, niggas writing like, hey, don't forget to put in your absentee ballot, all this shit. It doesn't, I mean, that's a pretty unique fiscal situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. not everybody got the got the bag like that. But um, we do. We put in the footwork. I think that's it. I think that's, you know, what's happening in the state of Georgia. The playbook that has brought us to this moment. Both in Atlanta and, like, I think, like, 48, like, challengers beat incumbents across the state. Warner Robins got their first black female mayor and shit. Like, all over the state, this has been true. So what are your thoughts on Stacey's announcement? Bruh, I think we have to do a whole nother fucking episode on this because we've been rambling about Atlanta for old, you know, so we, we may have to come back to this. But I will say that um, we all saw it coming. We all knew it was going to happen. <laughs> we knew it. People was we late. knew it was going to be for something. I'm not going to lie. I have my poster, my yard sign up on my wall fucking took that shit down, put it up in the yard the same night. I was like, let's go. And it's very clear that, you know, she announced because the energy was high among Democrats across the state because we yeah. fucking running things, winning things. So she was like, all right, let's go. Let's fucking rock. Y'all, y'all, y'all think y'all hype now? Let's get hype, baby. 
So like, you know, so here we are. She's running for governor. If she pulls it off, how old is Stacey Abrams? Do you know? Old enough. Huh? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I, well, I just old enough. Well, I just, I mean, because I'm thinking of the future. Because I mean, yo, if Stacey Abrams is able to pull this shit off, like after, like on top of everything that she's already done, if she's able to to win and become the next governor of Georgia, I think she'll be president. Oh yeah, she been said she want to like, fucking run for president. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just think that's gonna solidify. Like, I think that'll just make it inevitable. I think so. I think yeah, so. yeah. Um, well, um, so so quick, like point of order for us, you know, for on the recording, we have been recording for maybe like fifty minutes. Oh, we have. Okay. I, yeah. I think we, I think we started at like eleven thirty or twelve thirty-five. Oh shit! Okay. Now one twenty. So that's why I said like, oh, we might have to do another episode on this because yeah. we just already talked about a ton of shit. Let's uh, transition into the break and then let's come back and let's listen to one song for okay. a music discussion and yeah. close it off. Okay. All right. So, um, so yeah, like, like, uh, quick thoughts. You know, we're going to have to do another episode on Stacey Abrams alone. But just generally speaking, you know, with this happening and it's so fresh in our minds, what do you think? Do you think this means anything, affects anything with the midterms or not? Because a poll recently came came out that shows Democrats pretty much getting trounced in just about every category. Whether you want to talk about these bullshit cultural issues or even yeah. down to like the, the economics and stuff like that. But yeah. they're getting hammered. So, 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 I mean, I think that drawing off of what, we t- what I've been talking about earlier about footwork, the question is, whether or not progressive footwork can outstrip, overcome, overcome like the dissatisfaction among the electorate that like other than the child tax credit, which my ass gonna be getting in January myself, I'm gonna buy some math, I'm buying some shoes, some Jordans. No, just kidding, I'm buying baby formula. But um, you know, that's the only thing that people are gonna feel. Yeah. Between now and 2023, like build back better agenda roads and bridges and shit ain't, ain't none of that shit coming until 2023 pretty much 2024 so people haven't seen the you know reaped what has been sown yeah. by uh biden and his and his ilk so people aren't happy people aren't gonna turn out and also there's the issue of just like the people who are more pissed off generate more mobilization and then they win it just swings back and forth of in the midterms the party in power gets their asses whooped and it's just how it goes i honestly am just anticipating that that's just well, probably what's gonna happen it's, one it, thing historically has happened one thing that might help in the democrats favor i mean you know like you said this is we're talking about a patterns that are political patterns that are set by historical precedent going back like 60 years so there's a there's an amount of it that's inevitable and shit okay but, pause. i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i gotta do this but uh i just found out that the uh local sheriff's department here in Athens, georgia just posted an opening for the communications director which to me says I got them shook. Yeah. They need somebody, <laughs> somebody left. I don't you? know when they left. I don't know what happened. <laughs> maybe they got tired of dealing with. Um, or maybe they didn't have one and now they feel that they do. Now they feel like they got to. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She's winning the public narrative. She's winning the battle of hearts and minds. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> we can't just kill her. Can we? 
Um, got these niggas shook. Got these niggas shook. So I'm sorry. We got to come back to talk about the midterms. Uh, all right. So there's an amount of that that is inevitable. It's going to happen because those, those are the patterns and stuff. But we can't overlook the fact that, you know, in a day, two days, three days, maybe a week, like, the Supreme Court very much could overturn Roe v. Wade. And if they do that and these challenges start coming in, those shits are not going to start coming in until around midterms. Okay. So if the backdrop of the midterms is like the actual, the actual like court struggle about like Roe v. Wade, that could be part of that fear, that motivating sure, fear yeah. factor that we were talking about on the Democrats' I think to behalf. a degree. I mean, to that I will say. Maybe not game-changing, but, you know. Could be game-changing. Um, could also be that low income and, like, black and, black and brown women have barely been able to get abortions anyway. That's because, how I would frame it. Because it's like, why does Because that's what mean? it is. Because, like, I can't take a day off work to drive to Atlanta to pay $500 to, like, not have to have a baby. Like, I can't get childcare for my other three kids to go down here and do this. I don't have a car. I can't make it there. So, like, abortion is already illegal for, like, tons of people in a certain sense. Like, abortion is inaccessible to tons of people. So I don't think they're going to be motivated to come out and vote by that, frankly. So, oh. unfortunately, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, question. I mean, the question again. I'm gonna say again. Like, can the footwork overcome people's dissatisfaction with the Democratic Party right now? So, a lot of people, um, you know, Latasha Brown, CEO of Black Voters Matter, um, others have talked about feeling like they got thrown over, under the bus by the Biden administration because they refused to abolish the filibuster and pass voting rights legislation. Uh, and they're they're counting on us to do the footwork to overcome. Um, voter suppression. Granted, additional fact of interest is that the turnout in the Atlanta elections that we were just talking about was up, even though they had just passed that voter suppression shit we talked about in episodes a couple back months, mm. couple months back. So, um, who knows? Yo. Is the, is the, I can't believe I'm saying this. Is the voter suppression really that bad? Well, really I mean... They're, or was it something to scare people into coming out to vote more by like being I, real fucking freaked out about it? I think, I think that, I think that that sort of view, while valid, I think that downplays the work that Stacey Abrams did, though. You know no, no, I'm not at all. Like, like no, I, I think this, it's just like something is just. This has been a project that she's been working on for like four or five years. You know what I mean? So perhaps she's built it up to where it's kind of, as far as Georgia's concerned, maybe that grassroots effort and the footwork that she put in makes it kind of voter suppression proof. Oh, yeah. So that perhaps is an indicator of how this could go in the midterms is that if the footwork is enough to overcome voter suppression, indeed, then perhaps is the footwork enough to bring a turnout in the midterms in general? Shit. Y'all niggas better just let these Republicans win, yo. If y'all if y'all overcome their voter suppression, they about to bring slavery back for real. <laughs> like, it didn't work. <laughs> bring out the chains. We yeah. can't let these niggas vote. <laughs> Thank you. Get out your guns and storm the capitals. All the capitals. We tried to make the lines eight hours long and they still came out and voted. God damn it. Jim Crow's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, 
that's what we got for today. Uh, next week we are. Do you have going... a song? Yeah, yeah, we got. We're gonna have when we come back from the break. We're gonna have a music discussion. But just before we get back, get in that when we come back next week, we are going to be doing our episode on Dick Gregory. Going to be kind of a deep dive into the life of Dick Gregory, life and times. Talk about his activism, his career, his meaning, his impact in American culture and just Black culture in general. Um, and yeah, uh, what we're gonna be back uh, since we were talking about Georgia elections, we are going to talk about. A Georgia song when we come back. So we'll be back with that after the jump. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen. You gotta say that again. I coughed. You gotta say that again. I coughed. Okay. Let it out. out. I'm good. Get it out. You sure? You got got it? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) You got it all? You're giving me strong Jim Carrey vibes right now to put like the faces and like the sounds. Anyway, welcome back to Waiting on Reparations. I'm waiting on seeing the doctor because I'm coughing a great deal. All right. So, uh, you know, like I said before we got in the break, we're talking about the Georgia election. So I wanted to talk about a Georgia song from back in the day. Uh, I posted up that link. You see that? This is uh, oh, it's track. It's the last link on the. Oh, OK. On yeah, the yeah, yeah. So this is a track by Ludacris featuring Field Mob. And Jamie Foxx. It is called Georgia. Y'all remember this shit? This is like 2006. You know what I'm saying? Like some of y'all's clothes was, clothes was way too baggy. You you remember? You know what it was? Well, I rest my Georgia bones. Come anywhere on my land, and I'll aim at your Georgia dome. I remember this, and it's got the sample, right? Yeah, the 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 Ray Charles sample. Uh, yeah, Ray Charles sample. But this is back. This is back when Jamie Foxx played. Uh, Ray Charles in the the Ray movie, so like of course they had to they had the J, they had the Ray Charles sample. They got Jamie Foxx to actually sing it instead of sampling Ray Foxx. Y'all can't see it, but Ray I got Charles. my shoulder shaking, got my bows <laughs> going. Ah, uh, so yeah, uh, Ludacris is Georgia. You know, Ludacris is one of the artists that I always felt like rep super hard for Georgia and just the city of Atlanta in general. You, I don't know if you remember, he had another one. Uh, back in 2002 called Welcome to Atlanta had Jermaine Dupri on it and Nelly. Nigga, if you pull up to the Atlanta airport, they got a big ass, like, glowing banner, like electronic banner when you're coming up the escalator, it's got ludicrous face on it. It's like (laughs) Welcome to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Dead ass. So what do you think about it? What do you think about that? I think it's beautiful. I think I love the particularities. I love that they're like, yo, I'm out down in Albany. I'm rapping for the Yellow Jackets and Georgia Tech. Yeah. It's good. Eating current turn up greens and collard greens and, you know, go dogs. Like, it's cute. It's cute. I like the the cultural, you know, like, signs. You know what I mean? You ever disrespect, clean out your d- dirty mouth, something the dirty That's stuff. Cute. Like, That's cute. Yeah, all that shit is dope, man. I mean, I, I like it. You know, hip-hop, I think, is always at its best when it's got that personal vibe to it. And there's nothing more personal when, when you're rapping than either talking about your family or the city that you're from. You know what I'm saying? It's like... It's like usually if you're dealing with good MCs, there's always going to be like a sort of personal touch that somebody's going to be able to put on that hometown song. You know what I mean? To make it unique to them. So I feel like this track, everybody kind of went in on it with their style. But, you know, like the subject matter, all everyone having the same topic of what they were talking about and it being something that's so personal to everyone, you know, like as far as where they're from. Man, this this I mean this shit still bumps today. This is up, you know this mean? is up there with North Carolina by Pete Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, exactly. Like great, great anthems for a state. Yeah, no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Or like even um, if you want to get something a little bit more poppy, like New York State of Mind uh, or uh, Empire State of Mind with a uh, uh, Jay Z and shit. Right, like that. very different you know than I mean? New York State of Mind. I think yeah, yeah, very different. Though, but, like, one is like the grimy realness. The other one's like paid for by the New York Tourism Bureau. I forget if it was you or if it was me, but 
one of us made the point that it was like, oh, like uh, Empire State of Mind is kind of like that's the song that you use in like the official city of New York, like, like commercial or ad or something Times like that. Square getting blown it, by like exactly Elmo in the little Elmo costume outside I, the Eminem store. I don't mean this in a negative way, but I feel like that the Georgia song, the ludicrous Georgia song that we just listened to is that same sort of way. Like it feels like if you had like cool people on city council or, you know what I mean? Or a cool bear, they'd be like, yo, let's use that for the welcome to Georgia commercial. Let's use that song. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we got. We have to go, but we are going to be back next week. Obviously, we got a dope one for you. So thank you guys. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a comment. Yeah, uh, do some reviews. Follow us on social media, iHeartReparations on Instagram. Uh, hit us up, you know, hit, you know, hit, hit the DMs, hit the comments. Let us know what you're thinking. Yeah, if you guys ask questions, we'll answer them. You know what I mean? So um, my name is Dope Knife. I'm still extremely tired. But we are going to try to rap for you or at least muster up a bar or two. I got bars. Let me go bars. <laughs> hey, Joel, drop a beat for us. Yeah. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yo. Hey, yo, I know that you're stressing. Lord, what a blessing. We always keep winning like them Georgia progressives. Motherfuckers checking, they ain't know with my methods. Now I gotta hit them because I'm cold and I'm reckless. First on my checklist, give them scary slander. Fucking with the knife, that'll get you gerrymandered. And I'm very mannered. Hate on me, make a weak rapper cry like the AOC. Want a piece of your pie, so I ate all three. Put bleach in your eye. You okay, homie? Dope. Okay, look, I'm quite excited by this lady named Stacy, but lately I've acquired her taste for haterade. Frankly, I think campaigning is thankless. A canvas and phone banked and I'd appreciate some policies of partial compensation. For example, hope she'll overturn the right to work because our bosses are quite the jerks and unionizing how we fight the crooks. Secondly, and especially if they won't reschedule leave federally, then let it be the one to legalize and put that taxes back in the hands of the cats they backed up for selling a sack of cannabis back when the plant was abandoned. A couple other things that I um, can't remember, but I think you understand. Hey, I'm Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting on reparations. See you next week. Peace. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. 
In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.